When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this episode, we had a hearty conversation with Caroline Chambers, Senior Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Graham Media Group. We talked about how to put DEI, the lens of DEI, on everything. I hope you enjoy the podcast and thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to Uplifting Impact. So excited to be here today with Caroline Chambers. Caroline is the Senior Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Graham Media Group, a television and digital media company. She leads all aspects of the DEI strategy to ensure intentional, measurable practices for building core talent, learning, fostering workplace culture programs that promote equity as well as inclusivity, and she focuses on how to strengthen leadership capability, which is amazing because that is what we talk about here at the Uplifting Impact podcast all of the time. Caroline is also an experienced leader in philanthropy, corporate social responsibility, and DEI programs and has a history of management roles in financial services, healthcare, and nonprofit organizations. Caroline, Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are so glad to be able to have this conversation with you. You know, we get to talk to people in all kinds of sectors, but I think you are the first person that we're talking to that is part of a broadcasting background and and at a company that is doing this work. So very excited to learn a little bit more about what your company does and what your role is within it. Right. Great. Well, actually, my background is not in broadcast, and I credit Graham Media Group for bringing in someone with a fresh eyes perspective. Uh, (laughs) And it's been really exciting to learn. So Graham Media Group uh, owns seven television stations and two digital companies. Uh, Great group of employees, very uh, welcoming and and really uh, nurturing to me in learning the journey of broadcast and all the the acronyms and the the concepts and lingo. Um, I will say that what has been interesting and surprising to me a little bit, and perhaps it shouldn't have been because every company in the country has its challenges just based on our our history as a country, but so little strategic focus on DEI in the industry, but a real effort is taking place. And I credit the industry for doing that. So I have been excited to jump in at this time because not only have I been able to start with a clean slate at Graham Media Group uh, with people that are very hungry for this, uh, I have been able to be a part of a working group with the National Association of Broadcasters. So there is a DEI committee made up of representatives from many broadcast companies, uh, both radio and television. And we're putting together some strategic plan recommendations for the industry. So, you know, how exciting is that to be able to be a part of a group that's actually moving things in a direction very formally for the industry? 
That is amazing. And I think that one of the things I always get just inspired by is the fact that we are looking at this within our organization, but there's also so much potential for us to be looking at this from a sector-wide perspective, right? And so being able to be a part of those conversations where we're saying, hey, not only is are we are we worried about what we're doing inside the house, but we're also worried about what's what's going on in the neighborhood, right? How, how are we all connecting together? And I think that's one of the things that's very unique about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've, you know, worked in a lot of different sectors and seen a lot of different spaces. And one of the things that you sometimes see is you see a lot of people like mine, 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 right? Like, and, and they're a little bit close to the chest, some of the, the things and practices that they, that they uh, implement. But in the DEI world, there's so much work to be done and there's so much progress and so much opportunity. It's a little bit easier, right? To say, no, look, this is what we're doing. What are you doing? I'd like to learn from you. And I, I love that spirit about being able to work with DEI practitioners. Yeah, me too. Me too. And we need it because most of us are very isolated within our organizations. You know, most of us don't have a robust team with us. Uh, some do, but uh, where I've been, uh, we haven't had that. You create a team. You create a team with your business partners within the organization, which I think is perfect in many ways because you want people to be personally engaged. And when we can practice share, though, those of us who are uh, directly responsible for it, when we can practice share with each other, it's not only great for what we're trying to achieve, but it's great for us personally. You know, this is such draining work, right? You know, um, one, of, one of my family members said to me during everything that was happening last year, when the intensity of DEI and strategic DEI was even more important than ever, she said to me, you know, folks like you deserve combat pay. It is not only uh, a challenge to change hearts and minds internally, it's, it's a drain on your soul if you're doing it with the kind of passion and commitment that most of us do. You know, it's interesting because I just saw an, an article yesterday. A friend was showing me this article and they were talking about who is feeling burnt out, right? And they listed a couple of, of different groups and DEI leaders were one of the three that were listed as the top ones mm-hmm. feeling that burnout because yeah. of exactly what you're just saying, right? This is not just, uh, for, for most of us who are doing this work, this is not just job, right? This is not just, this is, what our calling is. And this is where we spend all of our time. And when your heart is in this work, it can be, yeah. it can be a lot. I, yeah. I certainly know that there are times where I need to just step away for a second, right? Kind of, kind of close, close all the doors, close all the windows, get, just get a minute to, to refresh and to, to come back up again. But you're, and you're right. The, the way that I find that that happens right in the moments where that happens, it's so nice to have a cadre of other people that I can reach out to and say, Hey, how are you doing? I need, I need a minute. Could you pour a little bit? I need a little extra. Can you pour a little extra into me? <laughs> right, right, right. Awesome. Well, speaking of that, I'm just curious about other moments that may have impacted your journey to, you know, as you think about your work and becoming an ally and really working in the DEI space, what are some other major moments for you? Well, you know, I, I would say my journey is really rooted in my upbringing. I have always had a focus of giving on every 
kind of career pursuit I've had. And I really, I really point to my upbringing for that. Um, I come from a family of social workers and teachers. I, like many uh, African-American families, come from a family that gave a lot. And, you know, we did it um, out of uh, compassion. But I think, you know, our communities in history did it out of necessity. Um, Mm -hmm. We gave because we couldn't get all the time. And so um, even when I worked in a sales job, I worked in financial services sales, my first real job out of college. Never thought I would do that, but I did do it. And when I look back at it, what I loved most about it was not selling the product so much, but it was the interaction with people and helping people. And, and my customers loved me. My clients loved me. Um, and one of the things that I tell mentees that I have uh, about that experience was that one of the greatest things that I was able to do in that role, I sold uh, retirement plans and, and to local governments. So I would work with, you know, employees at all levels in local governments. And I can remember specifically being in Cincinnati, Ohio, enrolling people in the plan. And a number of women came to me. Uh, who worked in public works and said, well, I don't need to do this. You know, my husband does this. And I remember what my mother always said to me, that it's great to have a partnership, but you should always have a little jingle of your own. (laughs) And you should always, you know, make sure that you're taking some responsibility. So I would share those stories. And so, you know, those are just some examples. But then I ended up working in philanthropy and community outreach, always had a passion for giving and really fell into the DEI space when my company at the time decided that it was more important to them than philanthropy at that moment, that they wanted to put strategy around it. Uh, And I had been volunteering to do it anyway. I was chair of our African-American network at that company at the time and uh, part of a, a group that put together ideas for a strategic DEI program. So when I was asked to take on the role, I thought, well, sure. You know, I I like that. Again, I can do what I love and impact the company in positive ways. So I would just have to say, you know, it's all a part of the nature of my upbringing, which I I'm just blessed to have had a, a great family with great values. You know, so many of us can point to our childhood or point to the experiences that we've had and also point to just that desire, that desire to want to be in a place of service. You know, I think that when you think about all the work that we do in DEI, I wrote an article a year or so ago, but in the article, I was talking about how the DEI practitioners are some of your best suited people within your organization about thinking about how to manage through COVID, both how to transition, you know, to home, if that's going to be one of the, the opportunities for your company, but also in the, in the discussion about how we come back, because so much of what we do is rooted in service, right? And is rooted in how people individually, right? We talk about equity and we talk about proportionality. We talk about how, how all of those things are deeply rooted in our practices on a day-to-day basis. And so if you're looking around your company, trying to find those skills, you probably already have them, right? And you probably can find them in your DEI office. So I think that's an important thing, just that connection back to our history, but also this connection back to what it is that motivates us, what we're really good at, what our skill is, what what our passion is. And and oftentimes it's around that, that helping, right? That service. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, the DEI lens on 
the current, you know, COVID and coming back to work and, and really thinking about how people are processing things differently. Uh, because the natural inclination for the HR and management team is to say, okay, you know, we've got to manage spaces and places and people in a certain way. Um, and then we have the opportunity to say, let's think about how people who have had different experiences might feel. And I had that very conversation with our leadership team, you know, as they were talking about, you know, their experiences and how we might plan to come back and how we should communicate about coming back. And I said, well, we have to think about people who may have known 20, 30 more who died. Right. You know, I look at the, the list, you know, I remember looking at the Michigan Chronicle, which is our local African-American publication, longtime mm -hmm. publication. And there was a spread, two page spread of the faces and names of the people who had died in COVID. This was early in the pandemic. And I remember going through it and saying, oh, my God, I didn't know she was gone. He was gone. Yeah. Um, and so. Many people that I knew personally, because it did impact my community uh, more directly, right? Right. Um, and my my colleagues on the leadership team didn't have that same experience. And I said, let's think about that because you coming back might not feel as trepidatious as it does to someone in my community coming back. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad that we're having that conversation because so many people are struggling with it. And I'm worried. I mean, honestly worried that there isn't somebody who's doing exactly what you just said and saying, wait a minute, mm -hmm. before we, before we do this, there's one more step we really need to take. Right. And that one more step is to take what we're planning through this diversity, equity, and inclusion right. lens. And I think that is one of the things that we try to promote a lot is how can you Take what you're doing in DEI and make sure that it's implemented in your strategy. So even not just COVID, right, but all the different aspects mm -hmm. of the way that you are doing your business, what does that look like? Yep. Right. And, and how do we move it away from it just being, again, something that's siloed as opposed to something that really is a critical component, because it is a critical component of, uh, of what we're doing from a strategy standpoint. So I have a, another question for you. You know, there's a lot of people who are moving into this role and moving into this space and they're new. They're, they're just coming into it and they're, they're trying to get their bearings. They're trying to get comfortable. Um, there's some people who this isn't even their full-time job, but they're volunteering or they've taken on some leadership in their, you know, employee resource groups. What would you say are some of the most important things that you can do if you're in some kind of leadership role, whether it's official, right? You, you have the title and all of that, or it's voluntary, some of the most important things that you can do that impacts whether or not different identities and people from all identities feel included. Yeah. So I would say the first thing is to be patient and uh, recognize people where they are when they come to you. And so that, that, you know, the example we just talked about is one thing, but I also am very patient with folks that don't have any exposure and maybe just don't get the why of it at all. And so I always tell my colleague partners, I assume the best in everyone until they prove me wrong. So yes. that's where I begin. <laughs> and I always talk about this as a learning and awareness journey. 
not only for you, but also for me, because there are always new dimensions and aspects of this. People come to us with different things that they're carrying. You don't know what people are carrying with them. So I think it's our job to say, let's start with learning and awareness. Let's build on that learning and awareness. And let me point out to you why this is good for us. Not only the right thing to do, but it's good for our business. And there's there are a lot of real facts around that. And then making sure that what you're planning is strategic, that it's clearly communicated, that it's consistent uh, so that people don't feel like it's a check the box one and done. Um, And then I put a lens of DEI on everything and then think about how much sense it makes to what we're trying to do from a strategy. So not every little component necessarily needs to have a DEI measure next to it, but a lot of the things that we do should. Um, And really anything that relates to our core business drivers probably has a place for a DEI lens on it. So how we are marketing and communicating to our customers the images and messages that we're portraying. So we're, you know, actually Grand Media Group had already started doing that before I joined the company. They were doing some work around thinking about the way they collect and do the news, how we are developing our people, how we are recruiting people. Is our net wide enough? Have we built enough relationships so that we know enough organizations and leaders and communities so that when we do have openings and opportunities, we have a broader net? Because it's common for hiring managers to say, well, there just aren't any. I heard this all the time, you know, in banking. I'm hearing it in this industry. You hear it in every industry. Every industry. But what happens is the light bulbs go off once you start taking those people leaders to meet the head of the minority business association or the head of the women's women business owners. Um, And and they start to, you know, broaden their awareness of of who is out there and what the opportunities are. Understanding that community colleges are great resources, but you've only been thinking about your alma mater and your neighbor's alma mater, you know, so things like that. So broadening and then, you know, how we are investing, you know, both in the way we're purchasing goods and services. So our, our supplier outreach, uh, we recently, you know, captured an opportunity to broaden our supplier outreach. We did a huge, wonderful Juneteenth program, uh, and it stretched over almost a month. And uh, we bought some swag. And I said, pause a minute. Let's don't use the same marketing, especially marketing company we always do. I bet there is an African-American firm that we can build a relationship with. And sure enough, uh, we we built a brand new great relationship with a woman-owned, Black-owned, specialty marketing firm that provided us some some great swag for our program. So, you know, just looking for these examples and then working with the leaders who are managing those spaces to say, okay, how can we begin to to track these things? And how can we work on broadening our network so that when you go out to these trade conventions and your practice sharing groups, you're thinking about it. You've got the lens on too. So it evolves over time. But you definitely want it to be accountable and you want to reward people. So I always talk about, you know, we talk about accountability and it always sounds like you leaders are going to have this on your performance plan. And 
it's going to affect your pay. Well, that may be a part of it. But I, I again, I think it's about how you deliver the message. I would rather say to you, we've got these goals and objectives, and I can't wait to reward you for making accomplishments in these spaces. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. So I think, you know, I heard a, a couple of really great pieces of advice in what you just shared that I had, I had to write down too, right? Making sure that this last one about when we think about accountability, really trying to think about what does that look like from the perspective of reward, right? Like not just like a hammer, but a, what do they call it? Is it a, a carrot and a hammer? Is that, is that the right analogy? You know what I'm trying to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Like we're I, trying I think to, incent- that's it. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to incentivize people and bring and bring right. them and bring them to the work and and show them the benefit that they have for them. I think the other thing too is like almost everything, and I gr- could not agree with you more. Almost everything could have some kind of strategic alignment when you think about your core business drivers, right? And how do we really go through each one of those components of how we're how we're measuring ourselves and what we're doing, and and how do we align those with DEI? That is just everything you've shared with us has just been set. There's been so many nuggets. I don't know how we're going to be able to synthesize all the, all these nuggets and what you shared with us today, Caroline. I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And Caroline, if people want to follow you, learn a little bit more about what you've done and what you're doing, what would be the best place for, place for them to connect? Right. I would say right now, LinkedIn is great. You know, I'm, I'm connected there with my company uh, and with other thought leaders in this space. And we're going to start, you know, posting all these exciting things we're doing. I've been here six months now, but we're getting started and uh, we're going to be doing some great things, especially the things that I'll be doing, you know, in, in concert with the industry leaders with the NAB. I'm looking forward to that. So look, look for me there. Absolutely. So we'll make sure that we put those in the show notes. So I just want to say thank you to you and to everybody who has joined us for this conversation here today. We at Uplifting Impact truly believe that the more we are aligning all of these key practices and key indicators to our strategy, the more we can grow. And Caroline's message, I think, reinforced that in so many different ways. So, so grateful for her to be here. We would ask all of you who are listening in to consider sharing the podcast with other people who are in your network, because we know that the more people who are thinking this way, the more, as we started at the top of this show, the more people we have who are in here who who are doing the work, because there's so much work to be done, the faster we can move together. So thank you for joining us on uplifting impact. Can't wait to be with you again. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.